Sam Parker, some of you may remember, who ministered for us a little while back. His mother passed away, so we'll remember him and his family in prayer today. The Lord will just comfort and be with them. And also, I think um, Brother Pat's neighbor, Tony, is going for back surgery on Tuesday, so we'll remember him in our prayers as well. And we will remember our pastor and Sister Dan while they're away uh, celebrating their anniversary. The Lord will just be with them, bless their time together. And I think Sister Abby is still not feeling well with this morning. We want to continue to remember her. Uh, and this is the part I enjoy. It's the praise reports this morning. To all the saints, I want to thank you for your prayer. The Lord God has healed me through your prayers. Thank you, and God bless you all. For Brother Leonard this morning, God bless you, Brother Leonard. Amen. Thank the Lord for touching our brother this morning. Also, from Brother Nathan, Sister Tracy, we'd like to thank everyone for praying for Haven through her battle with COVID. She is still struggling with some congestion and fatigue, but we're so very thankful that she has been able to recover at home. And so we appreciate all the Lord has done for her and for your many prayers. God bless you. Love you from the Ball family this morning. Amen. We appreciate those testimonies. If you have something on your heart, make it known by that uplifted hand this morning. God sees what our needs are in the service today, and he's mindful of each one of them. Amen. Brother John, you can lead us in prayer. Amen. Are you happy this morning? Amen. If you're not, you need to get there. Amen. We serve a God that wants yeah. us to be happy, wants us to praise him, wants us to enter in this morning. You come expecting this morning. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, once again, Lord, we find an opportunity to worship you, Lord. Lord, though the days are long, Lord, though we get through struggles and through weaknesses, Lord, we press towards that mark daily, Lord. And Lord, here we stand this morning with a church, Lord, with a body of believers that believes like you, Lord, that, Lord, there's coming a day that all of these sorrows are going to be worth it. All of this pain, all of this sickness, it's going to be worth it. 
And Lord, here we stand to worship you this morning, Lord. And we ask you to come in our presence, Lord. And let us brought you in this morning and drive everything unlike you aside, Lord. And Lord, enter into the song service. Be with Brother Mark, Lord. Anoint him in the musicians, Lord. To, Lord, just to prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive from you. And Lord, you see the needs, Lord. You see all of the requests, Lord. You see all of the hands. You see all of the hearts, Lord. We ask you to be with each and every one, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Continue to touch them, Lord. What you started, let it come to fruition, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to be with Brother Joseph, Lord, as their way. Give them blessed peace, Lord. Give them comfort, Lord, as their way. Strengthen their bodies, Lord. And Lord, touch our brother Trevor this morning, Lord, as he would come speak to us, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to just visit him there in the back room, Lord. And Lord, you know our needs, Lord. And you know what we have need to hear this morning, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord, move upon him, Lord. Let him speak to us, Lord, from the oracles of God. Lord, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you, Lord. In your lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. And you can have your seats just for a moment. And we'll do our reports this morning. And I missed being here last Sunday. It's always good to be here.
going to give him all of your praise? Are you going to give him all of your heart? Are you going to say, I'm here to receive this morning? Amen, Brother Mark. Trevor, God bless you. Glad to have you with us. Good. Our brother over here, God bless you. Good to have you in the service with us as well. God bless you. Amen. I was talking about all the happiness. I thought we'd just sing about it this morning. Amen. Let's sing it. Kids, see. Well, there's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth will soon its glory share. Where the chosen shall gather and live on forevermore and everybody will be happy over there oh everybody will be happy will be happy over there and we will shout and we'll
this mortal to immortality. Listen. Oh, to me he's become everything and he is everything that I need. The beginning, the end, he's last Some have made Jesus a game that they play, and others a song they sing. Oh, but since I met Jesus, I'm happy to say, all oh, to me, He's become everything. Yes, to me, He's become everything, and He is everything. At night, he's my last thought in mind. He's joy for each moment, he's hope that may bring. And to me, he's become everything. Oh, to me, he's become everything. And he is everything that I need. The
How many can say amen to me? He's become everything. Amen. Let's sing this chorus. I believe it's in the key of C. Sister Samantha, I'd like you to sing this one if you feel like it. Amen. Let's sing it. And no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And there's no other friend so question is, do you care? Right. Amen. We'll let you have your seats this morning. We'll have our ushers to come and receive the offering for the morning service and you just give to the Lord and I know he'll bless you. Don't forget we have our youth banquet coming up and that's going to be May uh, the 26th through the 29th and I believe that's Brother Joe Adams. It's going to be speaking for us so we're looking forward to that time. Also today I believe uh, Elijah and Sister Ella Ball are celebrating their birthday so we want to wish them a happy birthday today. Amen. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Somebody poked me or hit me or something to remind me. Amen. Lord, bring it back to my mind. It needs to be done. Turn my head, Sister Smith, if you will, and sing for us this morning. Sea, and ever there's a wind 
something and it's him that keeps holding me I'm certainly not holding myself I'll tell you that this morning let's stand together as we uh, invite Brother Trevor but I forgot to receive the tithe so for the local body here if, if you just uh, give this morning as God has blessed you let's give back to him this morning Amen. and we'll sing this chorus today I think it's about
you're going to make it through. I often think I should, man, I should sing a song and then, but then it's like I have to follow. <laughs> so, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> do you believe you're going to make it through? How are you going to do that? Wait, nobody, I, I hear people saying amazing grace. Nobody said do better. Christian better message better so we know the right answer that it's amazing grace but often what we do is try to do better you're going to make it through it's because of grace and it's not because of how how good you are at it because I think if we're all honest with ourselves we're pretty bad at it actually like I, I you know, last time I checked, me against Nicodemus the Pharisee, I didn't look so good. All right. It's amazing grace. Yeah. While you're standing, turning your Bibles, I had my notes pulled up, and technology may fail us this morning. So it's a good thing I have preached this sermon a few times. <clears throat> but I will start, and we'll just hope that the notes catch up. But John chapter 16 and verse 13. want to say that I'm certainly happy to be gathered together with you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy to be here again um, and just to be just to be a part of you all. Getting to know people's faces and I'm sure I forget names and stuff still but but uh, we've been coming for a few years now and we're starting to starting to feel like another home. So praise the Lord. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Yes. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Yes. Amen. If you also turn with me, uh, you probably don't have to turn there. Revelations 10, 7. You probably know it. I'm turning because I don't want to quote it wrong. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. So can we just bow our heads for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, it is you who are uh, sovereign, Lord. You are the great I am, the mighty conqueror, Lord. And we're so grateful to come to you, Father, and um, Lord, to... To just hear from you, Lord. Yes. To let you, Lord, speak to our hearts and yes. that we might be guided by it, Lord, even as we've just talked about, Lord, we know that amazing grace yes. is the way, but so often, Lord, we we turn to other avenues of trying to figure it all out, Lord. So, Father, may we just dive into your grace this morning yes. and learn from you, Father. May your grace instruct us, Lord God. May your word um, Come alive to our hearts, Lord, like never before. May we see you and know you in a more personal way than we ever thought possible. We ask that you would do this for us, Lord, and we invite you to speak to us now as we attentively hear, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 You may be seated. So I'm going to try to pull up these notes on a much smaller device. And if not, well, we're just going to. Yeah, we're just going to preach. We're just going to rely fully on the anointing. So, I'm not even going to stare at that any longer. Might just throw me off. So, we've just read here, John chapter 16, and, and maybe we can turn the monitors down just a hair. I'm not one of those that requires me hearing my own self a ton. Um, <clears throat> some brothers love that. Not one of those. We're all different. So John chapter 16, verse 13, we read that the spirit of truth is going to come. And when he comes, what's he going to do? He's going to guide us into all truth. All truth. Not just some truth, but all truth. Will you forgive me just a moment? I think perhaps, yes, but open Oh, praise the Lord. Glory. Now we're going somewhere here. Yes. There, now I have notes and I have, oh, see, now I feel like a preacher. Oh, yes, one of the things I wanted about notes is Brother, um, Brother Jonathan said, um, maybe I might have an update on Brother Jeffrey and, so, uh, and his wife, Sister Mary. Um, just really be in prayer for them. Um, Brother Jeff, I, I was speaking to him just the other day, and he said, his wife is in so much pain that he feels bad to leave, yeah. you know, that, you know, he, then she'll call and she'll be in such pain and he doesn't know what to do. So he's just going to take her with him when he, right, he's going to take her with him so that she can be with him and he knows that she's okay with him and he can do help her and things like that. And I just thought, oh my brother, like, I'm not sure that's making it any better on yeah. Our poor sisters. She was here, I don't know how long ago it was that, that she was in the U.S., and they were hoping that she could get some medical work done while she was here, and unfortunately some things happened with her, her passport and customs and things like that. Um, so we got, uh, we got her a, an x-ray, and th they thought it was maybe her leg, but it was, it's actually her, her lower back. It's her bottom vertebrae. I've had some vertebrae issues in my neck, and so I at least can understand a little bit of what uh, an x-ray looks like, and I went, ha, 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 that's bad. So um, she's just definitely has some real bad lower uh, vertebrae issues, so just really remember her in prayer. She just really needs a miracle. Um, if anybody knows a back surgeon that works on cash basis that we could talk to or something like that, let me know. We're trying to work out something, maybe if we could get her here to to uh, get some surgery done, but as you all know, just to talk to a doctor, you know, requires an appointment and $150, and you may not even get anywhere after that, so just trying to navigate all those waters without insurance for them and things like that, so um, keep them in prayer, because yes, just, because otherwise Brother Jeffrey is still just the machine that he ever was, that brother goes and goes and goes and preaches like no one I've seen, and he has my utmost respect and just love him and I'm glad that you all are joining with him and support him as well. So, 
All right, so now John chapter 16 and verse 13, and you still I could go less because I feel like it's ringing just a little. If you have that ability, I don't know. So John chapter 16, verse 13, we're looking at all truth. That's the title this morning, all truth. And it says, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he's going to guide you into all truth. So it's not just some truth, but it's all truth. So we're expecting when the Holy Spirit comes that all of the truth is going to come to us. We're going to understand it all, right? We should. What is it that we're going to understand all of? All of the word, absolutely. And the word is? It is the truth. Whom is the word? Jesus. So when this, all this truth comes to us, the, all of this word, and not only just the word, but the revelation, the understanding of that word comes to us, what, what, what we, we should expect then that what we see is him, right. and it is him in a, in a fuller way. Yeah. And that should be very exciting to us because, yeah. you know, God can seem so distant at times. Yeah. There's times when, you know, you're praying and you're like, God, I just, I don't even know right now. I, I don't even know how to feel. I don't even know what to say. All I know is you seem like you're so very far away and I don't know what to do. But if we can get to a place where the spirit of truth is in our lives and he's leading and guiding us, he's showing us all of who he is. And that's the point, you know, back in the, in the beginning, the whole idea was relationship. It wasn't just about becoming revelated and having theology, not like those atheists who have none. It wasn't just about having joy because, you know, Jesus is joy, but it's understanding why he's joy, that he is joy and what makes him joy, that he is holy and what makes him holy. It's to understand and to know him on a, the deepest level you've ever known anyone, and this is the spirit of truth that is to come and to show us who he is. So it's not just that I'm a Christian and that I do better and that I do message things. No, no. But it's that I have come to a place where I've begun to know him and the relationship that I'm in with him is deepening beyond any, any relationship I've ever had or ever known. Do you believe that this morning? Okay, so then, so then, Brother Trevor, why then did you go to Revelations 10.7? Because, well, this is nice. It's about Jesus. And praise God, finally in a message church, we have somebody who's talking about Jesus and not just that God sent a prophet. Amen. Wow, I got way more amens on that than I expected. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach one of the most deep message doctrine sermons that I've ever preached before. That's my plan. But, but as I'm doing that, the only thing that you'll see is that it just shows us who Jesus is. Because so many times we get our minds, you know, that, you know, we, we, we hear God sent a prophet and often that's talked about and Brother Branham said this and Brother Branham said this and, you know, even their brothers who will come and they'll tell us the message is Christ, you know, and, and maybe some people get offended by that. And it's like, well, why would you get offended by that statement? Because it is true. But people can get offended by that statement. And why is it they'll get offended by that statement? It's because to them, what the message is, is God sent a prophet. And don't you understand vindication and two signs and sign in the hand and knowing the secrets of the hearts and all of these gifts and all of these things and seven seals and seven trumpets and stuff we don't understand anyway. So, but it's a big deal all to these, all of these revelated brothers and such. And, 
they make a big, they make a big hoo about it, and 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 praise God, God sent a prophet, and and because of that, you know, we just we we have a higher standard of holiness than most other Christians, and and this is the message. <clears throat> I mean, I I guess I've thought it before. Maybe none of you all have, <clears throat> but. But so what we begins to happen is, is we begin to separate our minds. In our minds, it's like Jesus and Christianity and God sent a prophet and message stuff. And they're two different things in our minds. And so then if that happens to you, and it shouldn't happen to you, but if that happens to you, what, 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 when someone comes and says this message is Christ, suddenly you get offended because you're like, no, all the prophet stuff isn't even talking about Jesus. And I thought he was the point, but all I hear is prophet, prophet, prophet. Prophet said this, prophet said that. And I would just like to hear about Jesus sometimes, you know. And so we get those things divided in our minds. And so then when someone says the message is Christ, it's like, no, that's offensive. Because actually, I I just want to hear about Jesus. But I'm telling you that when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. That the seventh angel, when he begins to reveal the mysteries, when he begins to reveal the seven seals, when he begins to reveal the seven trumpets, we are seeing Christ for who he is. That when that truth is come, we praise God for that truth because it shows us who he is. And that's, so, so that's what I want to do is I want to take doctrines this morning that this message that only you find in this message, maybe you find pieces and bits and here and there, but, but we're going to take doctrines that Brother Brenham specifically outlines in the message. And he says, these are doctrines that we believe, and we're going to take those doctrines, and I'm going to build up a picture of, of Jesus as these doctrines of the message display to us and show to us who he is and and then we'll also have a picture of jesus over here and we'll try to keep them separate so that you know and that not to say your message people and your denominational people over here but you know we're just gonna have try to keep it separate so our minds have some reference points and we'll have a denominational jesus that i'll build up over here and we'll see what that looks like And then, then all I'm going to say is, after that, is which one do you want? <clears throat> and it'll be very obvious. Because of all truth. Amen? So, <clears throat> if I get long, you just, because my timer isn't my timer, my timer's now my notes. So, amen? <clears throat> all right. So, turn with me then to... Um, Matthew chapter, I think it's 13. Matthew chapter 13. And while we're turning there, um, <clears throat> I'm going to take most of this thought out of, is this the sign of the end, sir? And this is the, the sermon that Brother Branham, it's the last sermon of 1962. It's just before Brother Branham is going to go out to Arizona. And at that point in time, he's going re- to receive the commission. The, the, the cloud is going to come. The angels, he's going to be caught up in this constellation of angels. There's going to be a picture of this cloud taken. And, and he's going to receive the commission to go back and, and preach the seven seals. But it's in this that he's talking. He's, he's taking this thought out of Revelations 10, 1, 
you know, the mighty angel clothed with a cloud. And, and then it's going to come down to Revelations 10:7 of revealing the mysteries. And he's going to talk to us about what some of these mysteries are. But he says here the seventh angel is winding up all the mysteries that's laying loose-ended all out through these organizations and denominations. The seventh angel gathers them up and finishes the entire mystery. So, so he's taking these mysteries that are laying already in denominations and organizations. Right? We're not saying organizations and denominations have no truth. Not saying that. They have some truth. But the spirit of truth is going to come in our day then and gather all of them up via these mysteries, preach to us and confirm and vindicate that this is truth here. And now we can have all truth. And as I said, when we have that, it's not just going to give us message theories and message doctrines, but it's going to produce a picture of Jesus Christ that is going to be the most personal God you could ever know and love. And so, so, so that's what's going to happen here through this. All right, so we want to look at Matthew chapter 13 because this is also where he's referring to in this, in this sermon. And we'll start at verse 10, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So right here he's connecting these mysteries to the mysteries being revealed in Revelation 10, 7. Okay? And so he's, it, it's given to you to know these mysteries. Now he'll begin to talk about this. We'll finish this this scripture here, but he'll begin to talk about this. And if you have the Schofield Bible, you'll see Schofield's notes at this point. And Schofield will have 10 or 11 things that he says are mysteries that are, are, are being revealed. And Brother Brenham will read that list of, of those things. And then he will give his own list of things where he's, that, that are happening in his own ministry. So, but whosoever hath, verse 12 now, to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. So I want to look just for a moment, verse 12, because I want to ask you, you know, is this fair, you know? For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever and shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. So if you have, you're going to be given more. If you don't have, you're going to get nothing. Is this fair? Like, why is this even a scripture? Like, Lord, like, don't you love everybody? Don't you want... Everyone to have a chance? Don't, yes, he does. Did he die for everyone? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 
So anyway, you can just ponder that in your mind for a moment, and we'll come back to that. Um, but I want to read now what Brother Branham is saying here about these mysteries, and then we'll dive back through this, this passage here. That's some of these mysteries that this angel is supposed to wind up. <clears throat> all the mystery, all the mysteries of God. May I say this with reverence, not referring to myself, but to the angel of God. So he's, he's about to give the list of, of doctrines that is part of his own ministry revealing these mysteries that are being talked about right here in Matthew chapter 13. And so he's, being, you know, he's, he's trying to say this very reverently and very humbly that it isn't just himself, but the angel of God. It's this moment in time, this junction of time that we're at, this prophetic ministry that has, has been put upon him that is doing this. And he's saying the serpent seed, that's been a hidden mystery all through the years. The grace straightened out, not disgrace, but real, true grace. No such a thing as an eternal burning hell. You'll burn for mil millions of years, but everything that was eternal had never a beginning or an end, and hell was created. All these mysteries, the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation, but the person of Christ performing in you the same works that he did. Amen. Love that one. The mystery of water baptism where extreme Trinitarian has brought it into lies. I'm sorry, titles of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the mystery of the Godhead being fulfilled in the baptism in the name of, of Jesus Christ. According to the book of the revelations that the church was in this time was to receive. Amen. There is some of the mysteries. The pillar of fire returning back. Amen. That's the thing that's supposed to take place and we see it. Oh, how we could go on naming the mysteries, seeing that the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel, the same one that struck down Saul on his road to Damascus, and the same one coming with the same power, doing the same things and revealing the same, <clears throat> the same, staying word by word with the Bible. So what he's saying to us is that his prophetic ministry has brought out all of these different doctrines that haven't really existed in, in their completeness, if at all, throughout 2,000 years since the time of Paul. And, but as the seventh angel is revealing these mysteries, it's still staying word by word with the Bible. It's not going to vary from what's already written in here. It's only going to show us the deeper truth and meaning of what's already there. Amen? So, so we, we can just list these, and we're going to talk about each one of these now. Serpent seed, grace straightened out, no eternal hell, baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and Godhead. And so as we go through these one by one, you're going to find the picture of Christ becomes so much more meaningful to you. Does anybody doubt me? Because that's... Kind of a statement there, right? I mean, like, look, Brother Trevor, I get it. You as a minister study and get excited. I'm just talking about like how I would have been if I was 20 or something like that. You, Brother Trevor, as a minister, study these things and get excited about doctrines, and that's all nice and stuff, and I appreciate that, but uh, probably not going to affect me nearly as profoundly as you, because that's just not me. That's just not where I'm at, and and so if, a minister, if I would have been 20 and a minister would have said this, I'd have been like, okay, that's nice. Appreciate it. Maybe you guys are all you know, better than I was when I was 20. And maybe no one ever thinks these things. And I'm just preaching to me. And that's great. Appreciate you all having me to do this. But I just came to realize at some point in time in my life that I wasn't just all that weird. No. 
and that other people actually, I'm just maybe strangely somewhat more honest about the internal thoughts that I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we have a list of six, seven doctrines that we're going to go through and we're going to find our picture of Christ becomes amazingly clear. And so let's start with serpent seeds. So back, we go back to this scripture and we go back to this thought about he that hath doesn't have, you know, gets more and he that doesn't have doesn't get anything. And how is that even fair? And why is that even the scripture? Because it seems like Jesus died for everyone and Jesus loves everyone and Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And he does. But yet Jesus himself, right here, the disciples are asking him a question. Why are you talking to them in parables, but then to us, you're speaking plainly about it? And Jesus says, because to them it's not given, but to you it's given. Jesus, I thank you for being given to me, but, but these over here that it's not given to, don't you love them and don't you want to save them? Well, yes. Okay, so remind me again then, why was it you were speaking to them in parables, but to them plainly? Because it's not given to them, but it's given to you. Um, Jesus, do you understand um, what it means to love everyone? Because to me, it looks like you love this group, but you don't really love this group. It's like, no, I love all of them. <clears throat> but you seem like you're kind of against this group over here, and you're kind of for this group over here. Yes. I'm not saying these things. Jesus himself is saying these things. Jesus saying to them it's not given, but to you it's given. There are people who will have ears to hear, and they will hear, and hear people who will not have ears to hear. There will people have eyes to see, and they'll see even back into Jeremiah and Isaiah, like, like, no, don't even preach to them because they might hear and be converted. Come on. Jesus, you love everyone. I just want to remind you that my faith in you is contingent upon this love that you're talking about. So there's got to be something in the word that's going to make this make sense. There's got to be some doctrine that we can hold on to, some truth that's in the word that can make that Jesus loves everyone and died for them all, but yet when speaking, he's even participating in that some will hear and some won't. And how do we make that make sense? How can he love all of them but understand that some will get it and some won't? Well, let's go back into Genesis. And in Genesis, we'll find out that the serpent, that the devil got into the serpent, and then he began to have relation with Eve, which produced a Cain. And there was a Cain, and there was an Abel, and there was a Seth. And Cain was the seed of the serpent, and, and, and Abel and Seth were sons of Adam, who was a son of God. So Jesus himself, he, like right here, he's telling us there's a group of people that will hear. There's a group of people that won't hear. But I love both of them. I died for both of them. But I understand that some can and some can't hear. And that difference is already baked into the word of God way back into Genesis when we find out that the, that the serpent God got in there and had that relationship with Eve and produced a seed of the serpent, which is directly quoted from Genesis 3.15, that the serpent has a seed. 
And those that are a seed of the serpent do not have the ears, do not have what's inside of them to hear the word of God because there's nothing in them to hear. So he can speak to them and treat them as a different group of people than he would speak to another group of people because he knows that to them that have, they'll be given more. To them that don't have... I can't give them anything anyway because they were seed of the serpent to start with. They weren't in the original plan of salvation, but that, but that there's already a book written in heaven that, 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 that has names upon it. And I'll speak to the ones whose names are on that book of life in one way because they have that which they can hear. Because Jesus disputing with the, with the Pharisees, he begins to ask them, why do you not understand my speech? I believe this is John 8. Why do you not understand my speech? It's because you can't hear because you're of your father, the devil. And their answer, we be not born of fornication. Right? There's two groups. There's a seed of the serpent and there's a seed of God. Now, now, today we understand we, we, we're not just trying to trace genealogies and try to figure out which one we are so we know whether or not we should even try or not. No. Amen. Amen. We know that it's a spiritual type at this point now. That, but that God has some that will hear and some that will not. And now it can become consistent in the scripture because if you now go to your denominational Christian friend and you were to ask them, like, look, why is Jesus speaking in two ways? The disciples themselves asked, why is Jesus speaking in two ways? They couldn't understand it. Christian friend, I want you to tell me upon what, oh, upon what, because he is the word. Yeah. Jesus himself is the word in John 1. We know that he's the word. And so if Jesus himself is the word made flesh and manifested, then what is he doing here in Matthew chapter 13? I'd like you to find where in the word is he manifesting this two groups of people thing. And if you don't understand serpent seed, see over here, what we'll call message Jesus, and I'm only using, like, please understand me, or Jesus that we understand because of the doctrines of this message, that's what I mean, we'll see that he's, he's, He's very consistent. He understands serpent seed, and he is able to act according to that, yet he loves everyone, but he knows there's two groups, right? Over here, Jesus, as made, brought to you by the denominations, because they don't understand serpent seed, nor will they go there. They have zero desire to understand that. That thought is terrible to them. You ask them, then why is Jesus speaking and, and absolutely participating in the fact that there are two groups of people. Because now you, now you can question his love. Because now it seems arbitrary. Well, he just knows. That's nice, but what is it that he knows? Well, he knows that some are just evil and some are not. You're doing great, brother. You're doing great. <laughs> I don't know if everybody's up, you know, is caught up as Brother Jonathan. But yes, how? Like, because until you can show me in the word how, Jesus is arbitrary. He's saying, I love everyone. And, but, but revelation? Hmm, that's a little different. So he's arbitrary. He's picking and choosing those he loves and those he doesn't love. And it's not based in any scriptural principles. 
And so suddenly you've got a God, a, a Jesus Christ that's not, not a whole lot different than, idol, uh, than, than, than the gods of the idolaters who's like, well, I just, you yeah, know, sacrifice a child or maybe I won't let it rain. Like he's picking and choosing. He's just, he's just arbitrary. He's not acting in consistency. You know, in, in, in the same way every single time. And we know he's Hebrews 13.8. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You can count on him. You can trust him. You can take his word to the bank. It will never fail and never pass away. And so you can have great confidence in a Jesus that's revealed to us by the message. Just not, and just one. Just now we're just at one serpent seed and we're not even done yet because we should also ask our Christian friends, you know, um, <clears throat> tell me why again he had to be born a virgin birth. Uh, because it was, it, was, he, it was a miraculous birth. Yes, amen, it was a miraculous birth. But you could have a miraculous birth and it not have to be virgin. Like, that's cool, but you're going to tell me that just because it makes it cool? Like, virgin birth happened because that's cool and Jesus, God is showing off? Like, no. It's, it's because the first births that happened in the Garden of Eden, original sin, was a problem. It didn't come the original way God had intended it. And so now God is correcting that by bringing Jesus through a virgin birth. And it speaks to serpent seed and original sin that happened in the garden. But if you're not willing to understand that that was the problem that happened in the garden, like, you know, you have virgin birth happen because apple. So, so we begin to see, you know, the differences here. You know, this one is arbitrary, but he does cool things because Apple. And this one absolutely makes sense. Loves consistently, but understands there's two types of people. And also now the, the meaning behind virgin birth makes sense to us because we know what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so we find that we have a very, con the, the, the revelation that we have in this message makes Jesus very consistent, someone we can understand, someone that we can know and love, right? So then we continue on, and, and so, so, so the consequence of sin begins to make sense because we understand what's going on. The consequence of sin is death. Why? Because life was perverted. And so, so but, but we, you know, and, and so many times you have you know, John three sixteen. you know, you're talking to your, your, your Christian friends and they're like, you know, can't we just love Jesus, right? Why do we have to make a big deal over this doctrine or that? Can't we, Jesus died for us. Can't we just love Jesus? Amen. That's what I'm trying to do is love Jesus. Amen. This one, it gets weird, but I want to love Jesus, yeah. right? And, and so, so, okay, let's throw out John 3.16. Let's, let's say, hey, yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but ha should have everlasting life. And we can cleave to that and say, wonderful, and that's great, but what context is that John 3.16 happening under? It's Nicodemus coming to Jesus and Jesus saying, you must be born again. So God loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that they might be born again. Why exactly? Why was it again? Remind me, why do we have to be born again? Tell me, Christian friend. 
Why should I be born again? Because there's a problem with my first birth. Because the doctrine of serpent seed that, that tells us what original sin was makes us understand that the problem I have is my first birth. And Jesus is saying, are you a master in Israel and you don't know this thing? He, it, like, it's, and Nicodemus is like, okay, sorry, um, just one moment. How exactly does this work? Because I'm an old man and I don't know. How is this born again thing working? And, and Jesus is trying to help him understand that the problem is, is his original, his first birth, he was dead in his own sins. And now we go back to what we talked about. Are you going to do it or is it amazing grace that's going to do it in you? This is why you need a new birth. So what's so crazy is, is that, you know, as Christians, we're like, ooh, I need a new birth. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and rightly so, you do, because your first birth was a problem. And so we come to an altar and we, we're trying to, we're finding, and okay, yes, now I have the new birth. Now I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we freak out about all the little other things in our lives and we make a big deal about that when the thing was taken care of already. Because it's not the flesh, it's the birth. And when the birth comes in and the life of Christ comes in, that's take it, look, he, the sin question was settled at Calvary. Right? It's all over. He paid the price for your flesh, but it, he didn't want to just stop at your flesh and redeem your flesh. He wanted to redeem your heart. And so he says, you must be born again. There's got to, not only can I just make your flesh sinless because I took your punishment for you, but now I'm going to go in the ground. I'm going to rise again and pour my spirit upon all flesh that you could have a new birth. What do you mean by that, Brother Trevor? I mean the nature that you were born with, you had a problem with. And he didn't want to just leave you with that nature, but he wanted to put the nature of Almighty God down on the inside to change you from the inside out. But we freak out about my sin, this thing, that thing. I just want to know, do you have a new birth? Because that's what I want to pay attention to. It's the spirit of God living in there. And if that's the thing, then I don't care about my sin as much. You say, Brother Trevor, like, well, I mean, you, you, you're going to make us all a bunch of, you know, we're just going to live any way we want. Absolutely. You're going to live any way you want. Because the nature has changed. And maybe this flesh still has its little struggles. Jesus died for those. I want to know, is my nature growing? Just multiplying with inside of me. Stretching my very, my very life to, to points I never thought it would go. Is it taking me and things are falling away from my life? Because... Because there's something inside of me that's changing my very desires. Not just the redemption of my flesh, but the redemption of my heart. Yes. Now this is what Jesus came to do. Amen? Amen. So over here we have, a, we have a Jesus that's saying, yes, I love the whole world, but this is under the context of I, I'm going to give you a new birth. Yes. Now, now, now so, so start to think about new birth but I don't understand serpent seed. I don't understand the original sin. Why Jesus has to be born as a virgin? We don't know. He just does. Because it's cool. Why do I need a new birth? I don't know. Because it says so. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now, 
you can fall in love with this Jesus over here. And I will say to you, even though, and, and just because he said so, like many have come to saving grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ just because, just through these things. But, the, but we live in a day where the spirit of truth has come and guided us into all truth and revealed to us all the mysteries so we can understand just through serpent seed why Jesus came as a virgin birth because I came in the, my first birth was wrong and he came not just to forgive my flesh and to take away the punishment but to put a new nature on the inside of me and I can love him and know him because of this. Because I can understand his rescue for me. Because I can understand now that it's about the nature change and not just the do's and don'ts. It's the nature change and not just the do's and don'ts. That's what this message is telling us. That's what the doctrines of this message are saying. But so many times we get this all inverted and we're like messages, do's and don'ts. No. This message is showing us Christ. Yes! It's showing us the life of a new birth and why we needed a new birth. Yes! And when we understand that, we understand the flesh. That's not the issue. But I have had a nature change. So the new birth absolutely has so much meaning to us now. Why? Because we understand the doctrine of serpent seed. And if you take away the doctrine of serpent seed, this whole thing crumbles. And it's just, well, God said so, so do it. Like I said, that's work. People have done that. But this Jesus not just only took away my sins on the cross, but he wants to change me. And I love him for that. That draws me closer to him. Amen. So let's talk about grace straightened out. Well, of course, we need to talk about grace straightened out at this point, because now, Brother Trevor's like, it's the nature change, and it's not the do's and don'ts, and why are we worrying about our flesh and all of that? Well, yes, amen. It is the nature change. This is not to say you can continue in sin, that grace may abound. God forbid. We understand this in the book of Romans, but we understand this to mean that when you have the nature change, you, you don't have to. This is, this is the point is that you should be able to look in the mirror and say, are the things in my life that I used to do, are they fading away or aren't they? Is there evident fruit that a nature change actually has taken place on the inside? Had a conversation with with my wife the other day and she was talking about um, something she had said and something she had prayed for and, and, and... then something kind of terrible happened. And I won't go through the whole scenario, but that the devil was being in lie to her and say that, see, see, that happened. That happened because you prayed that. It's like, wow, devil, you're such a jerk. That happened because you prayed that. And, and my wife was feeling really guilty about it. And, and, and so we were talking on the phone. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Hold up here, hold up here. Like, was there any, any malicious thought in your mind that this would be the thing that was the answer to your prayer she's like well no of course not i'm like see what's going on here is the devil is he's doing two things here he's attacking your character and he's attacking the character of almighty god 
because he's trying to say to you that this terrible thing happened because you that that God allowed and, and did something bad because of your prayer. Because and, and that you were terrible, a terrible human being to even pray such a thing. I said, no. This is like you, your heart never committed a sin, did it? Like you said these words. You didn't, you know, you meant those words this way. Do you God knows your heart? Like you never this was never no. No. Stop allowing the devil to, to throw things on you when the heart is in the right condition. And don't allow the devil to attack the character of God and to say, yeah, because you're so terrible, God decided to be terrible too. No. Never. It's the heart. It's the heart. So grace straightened out. This doctrine is saying that, hey, your heart change actually does something. And so this Jesus that this message is revealing to us over here is saying, I love you. I already put your name on the book of life. I've given you a new birth. And not only have I, is that just salvation, but that is the thing that gives you enough power. Because in John 1, it's to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And that new birth is giving you the power not just to status you into son of Godship, but to give you power to mold you and make you into a son of God. You are already, but you now need to become that qualitatively. But this one over here, because, well, we don't just, we think we need a new birth just because, and we don't understand that new birth is actually a change of our heart and a change of our nature. It's still now do's and don'ts. And thank you, Jesus, you died but I still got to repent of all these things and it's always this up and down and up and down. But over here we can understand that when the heart has been made new, what does Ephesians 4.30 tell us? The Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. And we freak out. I know some of you are just like, whoa, he is like way like, mm -mm, no, Brother Trevor, mm -mm, you still got to do good things. Uh, yes, because of the nature. We don't have to freak out. It's the nature change is what this is about, is what it's telling us. Why? Because of serpent seed. Now we have grace straightened out. Why? Nature. That's what it's speaking to. That Jesus Christ is giving you a new nature and calling you unto himself and building you up like himself. And over here, we have a denominational Jesus that doesn't understand why we need to be born again and that that changes our nature. And it's just, well, look, he saved you. Good for you. You, uh, you got the get out of jail free card because of John 3.16 and you accepted that. It hasn't done anything in your life other than get you a get into heaven free card. Good job, Christian. You forgive. No, don't forgive me for mocking it. That should be mocked because that's ridiculous. When we have all truth to show us what this is over here and give us so much meaning and know who he is. Amen. So now we can go into no eternal hell. Now, why, why, Christian friend, is this is is no eternal hell? Like why? Like it's it literally says in the Bible that hell was created for the devil and his angels. So and anything and this is very simple. Brother Branham tells us, you know, anything that was created has a beginning and can't, you know must have an end. So hell cannot be eternal. And pe like Christian denominational Christians will reject this so vehemently. 
that the fact that you will not burn in hell for all eternity if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior? Are you kidding me right now? We can't have that. Why is that so terrible? Well, bless God, I've been trying so hard. I, I gave up things for Jesus, and I repented for Jesus, and I tried to do all of this stuff, and if they don't do the same thing that I'm doing and have to do all of this struggling with Christian stuff here, and if they won't do it too, well, then they should burn for eternity. Maybe you have a better explanation for why people won't except no eternal hell, but I don't. I don't understand that, that whole concept. But over here we understand, Brother Branham preaches to us what hell is. What is hell? Anybody know what he said? Eternal separation from God. Okay, so if hell is eternal separation from God, then what's heaven? Being with him for eternity. You know how Brother Branham tells us that he doesn't send any, God doesn't send any man to hell? That you go over every roadblock to get there? He's not sending you to hell. It's not because you're so bad. It's because you're making a choice. It's a choice whether or not you want to be with him or you don't want to be with him. This is the choice. This is where you're at. This is the point. And so, so what is it doing? It's so, so the doctrine of no eternal hell and what Brother Branham tells us hell actually is, 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 now, is now we're understanding hell through the concept of relationship to God and nothing to do with burning in hell for the things you did or didn't do. Ooh, which Jesus is looking good here. I'm just asking you. The one that loves you and is telling you it's about relationship or the one that's over here going, you better do it right. Or eternity in the fire. Right? Because he preaches to us souls that are in prison now. And what is he saying? There are people on this earth already who just as, just as they rejected Noah's message. And they said that they already knew they would never go on that ark. There are people on this earth today who already know that... That, that they will never go to heaven because they don't want to go to heaven. They don't want to be with Jesus. They've already rejected him for the last time and have turned him around. And their soul's already in prison. But if there's souls who can be in prison now, literally in hell now, because they've rejected God and said, I want nothing to do with you, then, they, then, then can't there already be souls in heaven now, seated in heaven with him, already in heavenly places? Why? Because they've, they're already, their eternal destination is already secured because some have, their, their eternal destination has been secured in prison, but ours is secured in heaven. Why? Because we chose him. Right. We wanted to be with him throughout yes. eternity yes. and not to say, God, you leave me alone. I, roadblock? Here, watch me get over this. If I have to be with you, I'm going to go right over these roadblocks. Yeah. And God says, okay, that's fine. You can have that. I wish you would choose me. I love you. But I won't make you. So this Jesus over here 
that it's going to put you in hell for all eternity if you mess up too many times or if you don't accept his grace correctly or the 500 other things that maybe you could come up with there or the one over here that's simply saying, I, I have died for you. I have sent my Holy Spirit into this world. I have sent a prophet to reveal to you who I am. I just am asking you to be with me Amen. for all of eternity. If you don't, I will respect your wishes. This message is Christ. This message is showing to us who he is by its very doctrines. We begin to think, oh, it's just deep doctrine stuff. It's just theology. No, it is these things that are literally revealing Jesus Christ to us, not just in a theology, not just in revelation, but in a way that we can know him, understand him, speak with him. It makes him alive to us. It makes him make sense, and he's practical to us. Amen? All right, so baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation. So, so what's the deal there? Well, we understand what baptism of the Holy Ghost is, but we understand Pentecostals came and said, well, you've got to speak in tongues, you've got to have this happen, you've got to have that happen, or whatever. And suddenly, it's no longer about what's going on, but it's about, you know, about who is happening to you and that and what's happening. But instead, now it's about the stuff that surrounds that experience. You know, instead of it actually being about how your life is changed forever after that moment, it comes down to, is that moment happening correctly? Come on. So over here, you've got a Jesus that's just like, yeah, but did you do it right at the altar? Did the right thing happen to you? I, there's a hundred different ways that that right thing might be, but make sure that you actually had that one right thing happen, and so that means you've got to know which right thing has to happen to you and you got to be part of the right group so that the, you know the right thing because otherwise how are you going to know which is the right thing that has to happen to you and so you so you know which thing should prove that you had the thing happen to you and then if you did choose the right group to show you the right way then the thing actually did happen you can stand up and be sure that you are righter than everyone else oh and by the way uh, you have the Holy Spirit now I don't know what that is yet, but good job. Yeah. You got it right. I'm, I'm sorry, no. Over, over here, over here. Not sensation. Has nothing to do with that. I'm asking you to come. But when my presence comes into you, when the life, the literal life of Almighty God who said, let there be light, and there was, that power, that presence, and that person comes down on the inside of your heart. Yeah. Just saying, something might happen. And then as you look in the mirror, six months later, you'll see changes. As you look in the mirror a year later, you'll see changes. Not sensation, but tangible evidence, fruits. As you look in the mirror five years later, you'll begin to think, man, that guy who was... When I looked in the mirror six months later, I thought, man, that guy was doing really good. He had nothing. Well, he had the Holy Ghost, but man, he wasn't... He was still... Right? Because the Holy Spirit is changing you. Yes. Yes. In a moment, he changes you, but through a lifetime, he changes you yes. as well. Amen. Amen. Amen? The mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation, he says, but the person of Christ performing in you the same works that he did. Ah. 
So over here, you've got sensations happening to you. And over here, you've got things that the Holy Spirit is using you to do for his glory. The same works that Jesus did, he's doing in you. Now, this would be hard to tell to really, we're going to get to Godhead. But, but, but the reason that this is so separate too is because they don't understand Godhead. Because the Holy Spirit gets reduced down to how God does stuff. He's the power, you know. He does stuff through you. And it, and it takes him, when they take him and put him into three and you receive the Holy Spirit, you're not receiving almighty God into your heart. You're receiving power to do stuff. So what do you want? The one who helps you do stuff or the one who lives in you? I want this one. I love this message. I love what this message has shown me because this picture, this picture is amazing. And this picture, it's just, it's just confusion. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I may have talked about some of these illustrations before here. I don't remember. But the reason water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, because some I've talked to many denominational friends. Look, and I just want you to know that none of this is just, none of this is a product of just my imagination. I've literally had conversations on almost every single one of these issues with denominational Christian friends. And another one of them said to me, you know, aren't we just kind of making issues about, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, isn't, you know, just like that we love God and we're baptism. You know, we're baptized saying we're going to die and come up new. Like, isn't that, isn't that enough? Can't we just agree on that? It's like, I mean, we can. Um, you know, I want to be Mrs. Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Mrs. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost just has a different ring to it. Um, feels very, very much less personal. Um, he's actually going to call my name um, later. It's written on a book, and he's going to read that book and say, Trevor Eamon. And I'll be like, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. You know, Brother Branham says in the church age book, the sweetest sound on the, uh, to, uh, to any human ear. You know what that is? The sound of their own voice. There's just something in you that just loves to hear your own name. Jonathan Jones. Ooh, he just gets goosebumps over there. He's just like, oh. Tell me more. Say it again. Right? You love to hear the sound of your own name. Where do you think you got that? Because you're created in his image. Because he loves the sound of his own name. Right? Don't you think he wants us to call his name? Say, Jesus, it's about you. My wife and I joke about this all the time, and, and if you are one of these, these couples, you forgive me. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm not picking on you, but it's just something my wife and I are like, yeah, we just can't do this. You know, um, you've seen the old couples, you know, that because they've been raising children for forever, they begin to refer to them so, to, to one another as mother and father, you know, and you just imagine them out on the rockers on the front porch. It's like, well, mother, what are we going to do today? Well, I don't know, Father. You, you know somebody who's done this, I'm sure. Right? My grandparents were like this. And, and I said, I know. Sweetheart, when we get old, we are not doing that. <laughs> I am not going to refer to the most significant person in my life in, in context of the relationship I share with her with another human being. I, you're the mother of my children. I'm going to, well, mother, 
You did a great job being mother. And I refer to her as that. The relationship that she has to me with, with regards to someone else, that's not personal. No, she has a name. It's Anna Mae. She loves to hear it. I love to, you know, I love to hear her say, Trevor, you know, can you help me with this? Like, yes. <laughs> yes, I can. You know, that's a whole lot different than go ask your father. You know, that's, that's different, man. It's relationship. So over here, we're saying the name matters because relationship. And over here, it's just like, I mean, I don't know. Just love God. Who is he? I, I, what's his name? What, why should that matter? Just love him, okay? Just quit being a sinner. Goodness. Amen. This is message revelation. We needed the prophet. We needed the, set, the, 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 the mysteries revealed to us because this is what it does. This shows us who he is. Okay, so... Yeah, so Godhead. Godhead is a perfect, you know, now we're, we're right into Godhead. And so we understand Brother Brenham even said himself, I used to think that God hated me, the Father hated me, and Jesus loved me. But then I came to find that Jesus Christ was the very heart of God. And so to understand that God is one, because otherwise you break him up into three people, and you have, and so here, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now that I've even, I even know message young people that have struggled with this, and not just young people I know, um, they're just probably more honest about it, but, but, because it's not nearly uh, complex yet, but many have this problem where they still, they, even though they've been in the message for years and years and years, and they understand that God is one, that he's not three people, but he's one person, he has three offices, they still have a God who is sitting on the throne with his arms crossed, saying, do it better. You, you need to please me. Good thing I sent my son to die for you, or you'd have problems. And you say, Brother Trevor, like, how, how is it that you know people are, have that in their minds? Because I've talked to people who are still scared of God, who are still afraid. God, God, I, I, I you know, Brother Trevor, I, 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 I got to repent. I got to do this. I got to, I, all of these things. Like, ah, uh, like, it's because you've got a big God up on a throne way high up there that you're afraid of, that you're trying to please through your external works. And you're struggling with your own flesh actually doing a good enough job. And then when you come to that person and you say, but I don't, why don't you just talk to Jesus about it? Because this is the picture that we've been building. This is the picture that he, wait, wait, wait are you saying you don't have a new birth? Now you have a new birth, but you're afraid of the father. Like you're afraid of God still, but you have a new birth. Like this is. How? Like, you know, you have the Father in you right now, and yet you're projecting him up there and as on a throne with a white wig and beard. And no. no, that's not him. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the person of Jesus Christ himself, who is the Father himself, his very heart, his very expression. There's not another one sitting up on the throne. He is in your heart. Yes. 
And he desires to speak with you. He desires to know you. He desires to take you as his bride. And I never, I, you know, God help me if I do. I never am looking at my bride going, spaghetti again, huh? I mean, I don't say it in that way like I do say that, but I'm not a big spaghetti fan. But <laughs> it's a joke between us. But I'm never looking at my bride with my arms crossed going, yep, you're disappointing again. It's a good thing that I'll switch over into husband mode and actually love you some point. Come on, come on. Come on. I'm sorry, but this is emotionally scarring Jesus over here. Does he love me or does he hate me? Do I have to suffer anxiety because I'm so scared that I'm not doing it right? I'm so scared that I don't have the right revelations. I'm so scared that all of this, and thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. You did that 2,000 years ago, and then you were kind of gone, and you sent the Holy Spirit, which gives me power to do stuff, but this doesn't, you know, there's still, like, I got to please him. Are we preaching to somebody this morning? Are we talking about it this morning? Because this is the message that we're talking about. This is the message is Christ part. This is the, the freedom that this message is bringing to us is to show you that God is one and that he died for you and that he loves you and wants to pour himself into you. Not just power, not just to do things, but that the God that was on the throne poured himself into a man who poured himself into his church. And you have now his very life, Zoe, on the inside of you changing your nature there's no reason to be afraid there's no reason and it's not status it's not just oh good i got to get out of jail free card no it's the life it's the relationship has changed everything Amen. all things are passed away and become new Amen. this is the life that we're receiving because we're understanding who he is And it doesn't, it doesn't mess with your mind anymore because you understand he's consistent. He's loving. He's giving you a nature that's going to take the problems away from you. Your flesh isn't the point. Right. Have you been born again? Yeah. And you see, all of these doctrines are coming back to this central theme that it's Christ and his nature inside of you. It's the love affair. It's the relationship. Do I want because, you know, my wife, because of our relationship, only makes spaghetti on certain nights. Not because her husband is there going, don't you dare fix me spaghetti. No, but because her husband doesn't exactly enjoy spaghetti. And that's okay. And there's no fear. She's not trembling when I come home. I understand Wednesdays are busy and we have church and spaghetti is a quick, easy meal. That's fine. I'll make a sandwich. She's not afraid. I'm not afraid. We love one another. 
There's no judgment happening. And you say, that's funny. But this is the walk with Christ that we have. But over here, you don't have that walk. You don't have that. Because maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've done that. All right? So, so now we can also talk about, you know, as we talked about grace, um, grace straightened out, real true grace, and what that was. Have you ever heard the term once saved, always saved? probably always been in a negative context, right? You believe in once saved, always saved. Yeah, you think you can just do whatever you want. You think you just get saved, and then you just once you've had that status change, you can just go out and live any way you want. And as we talked about, like, yes, actually, it's not a status change. It's a life change that's substantially different. But I was talking to some United Pentecostal um, young people one time, and and. And we begin we begin to have this conversation about they had they had come to Random Tabernacle and they we were listening to the church ages at the time and so we just struck up a conversation there and and began to talk talk to them and they were like oh you know oh he's like oh I get it you believe once saved always saved like you believe that when you come to the altar and you receive the Holy Spirit you always have it and He'll never leave you you see that's why they think it's just power they don't think it's the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. He's like, you believe that you get, receive the Holy Spirit, and then if you fail or if you fall, like, he won't leave you. It's like, you mean like it says in the scripture where he says he'll never leave you and never forsake you? Is like that? Yes, I believe it like that, but, oh, you're not talking about that. Okay. And so we begin to have this conversation because he believes that you can speak in tongues, receive the Holy Spirit, go out, sin, and the Holy Spirit leaves you. Okay. Fair enough. And so I began to talk to him. I was like, hang on a second, because, wait a minute, you believe in baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, United Pentecostals, they believe um, very, very similar to us as far as baptism and things like that and holiness generally. And so about the closest denomination you can find to the message. Not that we're a denomination. Right? All right. Why? Because it's an experience with Jesus Christ, not a do the right words and the right works. That's what it's showing us. Right? So... So I said, okay, let me, let me ask you about this real quick because you say that you come to the altar and when you speak in tongues, you're receiving the Holy Spirit, but you baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's other Pentecostals out there, assemblies of God and different things, that they come to the altar and they speak in tongues. And so you would say they got the Holy Spirit too, right? But they baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost like the Catholics. Oh. And he's like, yes. He seemed less certain at that moment, but, but he's like, oh, this guy's got me, but I got to double down on the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because of speaking in tongues. He's like, oh, I see the problem. You think when you receive the Holy Spirit, you always have it and it never leaves you, and you can go live any way you want. And I was like, well, I mean, it changes your life, but you know, I understand what you're saying. Like, It's not a license to sin. You know, like I've just got what I need, and now I'm going to go sin. No, it's, it's life-changing. And so, but he's, so, so he's, he's sitting here going, but I'm like, well, what, what does the word of God even mean then? Like if you and I believe in the same baptism, but you believe with the assemblies of God people and the different Pentecostals that, you know, speaking in tongues is what does it. And you believe that you can lose it. Then I just have one question after you receive the Holy Spirit and then you, you go out and then you fail. So the Holy Spirit leaves you, um, what if Jesus comes back the next morning before you've come back to the altar and spoken tongues again to receive the Holy Spirit? 
Because that's a serious question now. If he's not in me, like, what's he doing? Confusion. Problems. Now, like, even if that's not the way the church believes, like, that question is not, like, settled in your mind. And so over here, you've got a very arbitrary Jesus. You've got one who can come on you and leave you. You've got one who's judging you and loves you all at the same time. And, and I don't even know how he feels about me. All of these things. Same Bible, no revelation. Some truths, maybe, United Pentecostals, some truths. I was speaking with a United Pente or former United Pentecostal pastor just the other day. And, and just so you know, like I don't go out seeking these conversations with other denominational people. They just find me. This isn't that hard to put together. But to understand, you know, so I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, it was all about we just had to hit the altar, and we just, every time, we were just at the altar, and we're just at the altar. It's like, so you really had no assurance of your salvation, really had no assurance of your faith. And over here, we absolutely have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the thing that seals you until the day of your redemption. And I believe that after this sermon this morning, you see and understand Ephesians 30 in a clearer way than you've ever seen it before. And you understand that all truth, that God bringing us all truth and revealing to us these mysteries through this prophetic message is absolutely one of the most amazing things that has happened in your life. And then we had a pillar of fire come, and that's one of the mysteries, to reveal that to us. And so Brother Branham comes in the Pergamian church age again in John 16, 13, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, the, and the musicians, you can come, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, the word is come, he will guide you into all truth. Thy word is truth. And he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear the word of God, that shall he speak the word, and he will show you things to come, the spirit bringing the word of prophecy. I want you to note very clearly that Jesus did not say the evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues, interpreting, prophesying, shouting, or dancing. He said the evidence would be that you would be in the truth, that you would be in the word of God for your age. Evidence has to do with receiving the word. So people will take issue with, Brother Trevor, are you saying that if you don't believe the message, you can't be saved? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Or you don't believe the message, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And if you wanted Jesus, if you're saying, the reason I've become a Christian is because I want to love Jesus, then you wouldn't deny the truth of who Jesus is. That Jesus himself would lead you to the picture of him that is the true and honest picture of who he is. And when he's going to do that, he said how he would do that, that the spirit of truth would come and reveal mysteries. And he's going to do that through a seventh angel. So today, if you're going to say, I just want to love Jesus, I just want Jesus, I want to know Jesus, then what I'm telling you is you want this message, because outside of this message, you don't know the Jesus that I know. You don't know all truth of Jesus. I want to know him, and I'm so thankful, and I just love it so much that God, by his grace, has shown me this message, because now I see him for who he is. I've had people tell me, Brother Trevor, you know, we just get tired of this whole prophet thing, and we just want Jesus, and you just want to say the evidence of knowing Jesus is receiving the message. 
You see, these people had gotten the problem. The message in their minds was just prophet, prophet, prophet. But that's not what it is. It's that we needed a prophet to show us this Jesus. And not just because we know him like understand, in an understanding way, but so that we can actually know him in a relational way. And that's what this message is bringing to us. A deeper relationship with Jesus Christ himself. So I don't believe it when you say, well, I, I don't want this message. I just want Jesus. No. You want this? Is it, no, 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 no. I, I believe all of these same doctrines. Well, you're being dishonest right now. Because the reason you have those doctrines is because the spirit of truth came in our day by a prophet to reveal these mysteries. And when he did, we saw Jesus Christ in a deeper way than we ever thought we'd ever know him. And it was wonderful. So all truth comes and shows us what is correct. And it is the thing that I want more than anything else. This message is Christ. This message is revealing to us who Jesus Christ is. And so then, I cannot say at all, I don't want this message, but I want Jesus. It, that, is, that is absolutely a lie. Because if I want Jesus, all of these things in the message just show me him better. All truth. That's what this message is. Just the spirit of truth has come to do is to bring us into all truth, is to present this wonderful Jesus to us. Now, all of the things that come along with that is just, like, we've just covered some of these doctrines. I would say these are very main, main doctrines. Are there others? Are there seven seals? Are there different things? Yes. But what should you expect, then, if all of these doctrines have shown us Jesus, what should you expect the revelation of the seals to show you? Jesus. All of the things, all of the doctrines, all of the things that we turn sometimes into fights between this church and that church, it's ridiculous because it should show us Jesus. Amen. Like, my way of showing Jesus is better than your way of showing Jesus. Like, no, it's just, can we just have truth? This message is just bringing us Jesus, not confrontation, not divisions, not all of these things, Jesus. Amen. Jesus Christ. Yeah who wants to know you and live in you and reign in your hearts to change you and make you more than you ever thought possible. He wants this for you. So is it about your works? Is it about your revelation as such if we talk about it in a mental how I understand the message kind of way? No. Have you been born again? Do you have a new birth? Do you understand what that means? The Holy Spirit in your life how that changes you. And not just how that changes you, but because of that, the things that you actually don't have to worry about anymore because he took care of it. Amen. <clears throat> he took care of the sin problem so that I can focus on him. He removed my responsibility for those things so I can focus on him. Not so I can just sin more. No, so I can focus on him. And as I focus on him and the more I get into him, the less problems I have with sins in my life. Why? Why, do I even, why am I even allowed to do that? Because I know this Jesus right here. That's what this message has done. The truth shall set you free. And he is the truth. 
Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful that you sent us truth in our day. To show us who you are, Lord, many have tried throughout all ages to tell us about you. But Lord, through the deception of the devil, many times that picture just got skewed just a little bit. And when the picture gets a little skewed, Lord, we don't know you rightly and there's so much we miss. So I'm so grateful, Lord, that you, as you said in your word, would restore all the things that palmer worm, the cankworm, the locust and caterpillar had had destroyed. Lord, you've restored it all. All truth is back to us, Lord. And now that we see it, Lord, we see you in a beautiful way. It causes us to desire you and want you more, Lord. You've, you've taken burdens away, Lord. Burdens of our sin and our shame and our struggles, God. You've taken them away because you want to care for us, Lord. You want to carry us in your arms. You want to take our obligations and care, Lord Jesus, upon your shoulders. Oh, just as you said in your scripture, casting all our cares upon him. For you care for us, oh God. Lord, I just love you so much. Just pray, Lord, that these words would have done the thing that you've sent them to do, Lord. Lord, that the people would consider where in their hearts they've, maybe they've had their understanding just a little bit skewed. Maybe just seeing you too high up on a throne, Lord, and not as that loving God that's living right there in their hearts. God, move over the people now. Move over this church. Lord, let your presence be so welcome, Lord, to speak to us, Lord, to take these words and make them real and to make them alive. I ask it now. Have mercy and grace upon us, O Lord God. We love you so much. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Something about the name He's my master and savior Jesus like the fragrance again. Just love on him tonight, this afternoon. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. 
Singing one more time. see Jesus just a little more clear. Appreciate the message, Brother Trevor. That was a fantastic message today. And I thought he did a good job singing too, didn't you? Let's give him a hand. So glad you took the time out to your schedule to come and minister to us this morning. How many appreciate it? You appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I'll see you back here on Wednesday night, Lord willing. At seven o'clock, so you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Let's sing. Lord, keep me sanctified.